and they help him to walk. And just like you would have to teach a toddler how to walk, we had to teach this man how to walk. Uh, and he begins to take steps, one by one, taking steps, uh, and eventually close, you know, almost by himself, like just with very little help. Well, at this point, several of us are like, okay, there's still people that need to be prayed over, so several of us went and we started praying over other people. Well, Katie, one of the girls on my team, later on comes to me and she goes, Kristen, you'll never believe what happened. And I said, what? And, you know, I'm going, yeah, right, like, I believe it, you know, Jesus is here, we, I believe it. And she goes, no, really, you're not going to believe this. Um, after we, several of us had walked away and began praying over other people, she looked at his wrist and he had a bracelet on his wrist. And the bracelet was signifying Buddha. And so what she did, she's like, oh no, you know, you have claimed Jesus' name. We are not going to have any presence of Buddha on you. So she cuts off his, and remember, his hands are still clenched like this. She cuts off his bracelet and his hand just gets completely restored. And he's like opening and closing his hand. For the first time in his life, he's able to open and close his hand. We're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And so then they see there's rings on his other hand. And they pull these rings off. And same thing for the other hand. He's opening and closing his hands. Well, this was on the second night of the crusade. And so the next night, we come back. And same, same type of deal. It's a concert. And then we have, uh, you know, we share the good news. Invite people to come and receive salvation. Ask for healing. And then afterwards, they said, if anybody has been healed and they want to testify to what Jesus Christ has done in your life, we want you to come forward and we want you to, to share what Jesus has done. Well, I'm uh, really bad at keeping track of time. I'm late all the time, and I'm not kidding you, all the time. And so, fortunately, this night, I swear it was a God thing, um, I was completely late. Like We were supposed to be back at the van at 9.30 so we could go to the to the hotel, then go to the airport to come back home. I completely was not paying attention to time. Ten minutes late, and I'm, because these all these people are just grabbing you and wanting you to pray over them, pray over them. People handing me their babies, and I'm like, okay, I'll pray over their baby. Like, what? I don't know what's going on. And uh, and I turn around after praying over several people. Turn around, and on the stage is this man. And not joking you, he's not only walking by himself, but he's walking at a fast pace. And like, I'm sitting there going. Like, speechless, completely speechless. And somebody's yelling my name, Kristen, Kristen, we need you on the van. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. And the guy, I obviously don't know Ty, but he was up there sharing what Jesus did. And he's just opening and closing his hands like crazy. And he's standing there all by himself, like, unassisted and walking up there. And it was just so cool to be able to see that and experience that and be able to share that uh, with people here. Because it's, it's something we don't normally see. I mean, and... Uh, it just testifies to the power of God and what He uh, is capable of doing. And that is even so small, what He is capable of doing. So just wanted to share that with you guys and I thought that was really cool. And, and if you ever want to talk about Thailand or missions, come see me because I will talk your ear off. And uh, it's one of my like biggest passions. So, um, all right. Well, I'm going to pray really quick and then we can start with this. Uh, Father God, I just thank you so much tonight, God. I just thank you uh, for every single student that is here, God. I just pray that you will uh, anoint me, God. I pray that you, that my words will be your words, God, and that um, that there will be clarity that is spoke, spoken here tonight, God. We love you, God. We praise you. Amen. All right. Okay. I'm going to... I I co-lead a small group with Rachel Crane back there, and so a lot of the way I teach... And a lot of the ways that I like to process things is through discussion. So there'll be some discussion uh, through some of this. And so I'm going to ask a lot of questions. 
And so one of my, my very first question to you is what makes you mad? Like what makes you madder than anything? Like what lights a fire under you and makes your blood boil? Somebody want to volunteer? All right, Adam, you can start out. Yeah, just one thing. What's, what's, what makes you madder than anything? You don't have to stand. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, people tell me that I'm wrong. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right, Brian. What do you got? For? Go for it. My six-year-old brother insists he's always right. Mm. Are you an Adam brother? <laughs> okay. Who else? All right. One of my sisters stealing my clothes. A lot of sibling, <laughs> mean people. Mean people. Like people just who are like mean for no reason. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that's like a perfect segue for me, so thank you, Nicole. Appreciate it. Um, all right. So one of the things, uh, if you were in church on Sunday, then you've already heard this passage read. Uh, so I'm going to read it again. All right. And it comes from John chapter 2. And uh, it's Jesus clearing the temple. Okay, so um, if you want to follow along, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over the tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures, Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave, if God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this, this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. All right, so in this, what makes Jesus hot? What just ticks him off? It's rhetorical. Uh, I will ask for more questions later, I promise. <clears throat> Alright, so in this passage, Jesus was absolutely furious because people were not showing honor and respect to God's house. Alright, so in this, um, and over the fact that the religious leaders were allowing it, the people that were supposed to be leading these people uh, were were the ones that were kind of leading, leading the thing. They were... Uh, they were allowing these merchants to cheat, take advantage of people coming to worship uh, God over Passover. And if you'll remember what, what, uh, what the Passover is, <clears throat> Passover uh, comes, basically this was a time when the people uh, of Israel could celebrate the release from oppression from uh, the Egyptians back when we read in Exodus. So this is just a time of celebration, is a time of worship, and through that worship, you, the people are sacrificing and giving uh, some of their best, their best cattle, all these things. They are giving these things uh, over in worship and sacrifice to God. So, um, 
And we are talking, and when we say that these merchants were cheating people out of their money, we aren't talking about like overcharging them 50 cents or a dollar over something. We're talking about like, all right, imagine you come on Friday night and there's no water fountains or anything like that. You're down there playing basketball, playing volleyball, getting really sweaty, getting really thirsty, and the only place you can come to buy drinks is here. And so if you come to the fuel shop and they're charging you nine bucks, ten bucks for a Mountain Dew or for a water, like it was that crazy. They were ju- they were jumping prices so much, and it was stuff that, that these people had to have. And so they and it was happening within the temple. So obviously making you know making Jesus a little mad. So that would be wrong of us, right? I mean that would be wrong of us to charge that much for something that you need. Especially in a place where we are trying to um, to talk about God and to to be examples of Christ, and we are overcharging people, just not right. So, obviously, made Jesus mad. Like, I don't know if I've ever been so mad that I've like thrown over tables and you know chased people out of places. But I mean, holy cow! I can only imagine. And these people, and this is this was one of Jesus' first things that he's done. Like. That literally in John chapter 2, it talked about Jesus' first miracle of changing water into wine. And so these people, Jesus is still kind of new to them. But can you imagine the anointing of, of God on this man when he is walking in? He's throwing over tables. and I mean, because all it would take would be a few people to kind of you know hold him back. Like in a fight, it would only take a couple people to hold him back, you would think. But man, he must have had fire in his eyes. I mean, being that mad. So, let's take it to today. So, as Christ followers, um, what are we called to do and what are we called to be? So, in Luke chapter 10, verses 27, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so raise your hand if you have a younger sibling, only younger siblings. Okay, so that's most of you. Okay, keep your hands raised. Now, keep your hands raised if you have a younger sister only. See, still lots of people. Okay, so you can put your hands on. So, what would you do if you saw some... I have a younger sister, by the way. She's 15, so she's 10 years younger than me. So, I kind of... She was really young when I left home for college and all that. So, I still kind of see her as my baby sister. So, what would you do, those of you that have a, a little sister... What would you do if you saw someone picking on her and taking advantage of her uh, in school, at the school, or um, any, basically anybody besides you should not be allowed to pick on her, right? Right. Right. Okay. I, that's how I've always felt. Like, I can pick on her. I can pick on my little brother if I want, but nobody else can. Mm-mm. No way. So, uh, what would you do? And I will ask for a couple feedback uh, answers on this one. So what would you do if you came, if you're at home and your little sister walks in and she keeps, she's telling you about being picked on, but not just like one day, like day after day after day, and she's like crying, so you know it's legit. It's not like drama, it's legit. So what would you do if your sister comes home and somebody's been picking on her and taking advantage of her? Somebody that's got a little sister. Brian, you're going to do it again? Nobody else? Well, all right. Just go ahead and yell. Okay, so Brian would try and comfort her. 
Anybody else? Nicole says she'd kill him. All right, I can, I can relate. I can relate. All right, all right. So somebody, if my little sister comes in and she's crying and she, you know somebody's been picking on her, taking advantage of her, like taking her lunch money or something, I, I might throw some tables at her. I, I mean, I don't know. I might be more of a kind of thing, but you know, still, I might. I'm gonna get tipped. All right. So. Um, Okay, so next question. So what if what if somebody from here, somebody here at the church, uh, somebody in the youth group, you're at school and you see somebody picking on them, what what would you do then? Right back up. Okay, Adam says you back them up. What up? Anybody else? All right, all right. So I guess. Would you be one of those people that you would avoid eye contact and just kind of walk on by like, oh crap, well they didn't see me, and just keep going? Or would you be one of those people that you'd ask them how they were doing later, but only after they were not being picked on and kind of over in the corner, would you be one of those people? Or would you stand up for them and defend them? And uh, I'm not by any means promoting fights, so don't even take it this way, all right? But would you stand up with them? Be honest with yourself. So, I mean, really think about it. What would you do for someone that you would see as a as a peer, someone that may be your friend here at, at Elmo? Okay, what if you saw the unpopular kid? You know, the kid that kind of smells a little bit, and the, the kid that most people try to avoid. I'll be honest. Like, I, and I'm not saying that you should do this, so just take it for that, but... What, would you even notice? Would you even notice that that kid was getting picked on? Would you ask them later how they were doing? Would you even associate with them? Would you stand up for them? My guess? Yeah, my kind of questionable. So, all right, last scenario. What would you do if you saw someone that professes and claims to be a Christ follower Maybe the person is in this room. Maybe they're sitting next to you. Uh, but what would you do if you saw someone in this room or someone uh, maybe sitting next to you making fun of or picking on someone else or just the kid that we just referred to? Like, how would you react to that? What would you do? Would that, I'm not asking. I don't for right, Unless I ask for it, I'll let, and I'll let you know. Or, or uh, this is more for your thought process. So, would you call them out? If you saw someone here at Element go up and start picking on somebody or calling them names, cussing at them, any other scenario, what would you call them out? Would you say nothing and just kind of walk on by? Would you join them, maybe? Um, or would you laugh and kind of go with it? I don't know. What would you do? But, Maybe I was talking about you. Maybe you are that person that makes fun of other people and you're picking on other people. But yeah, in church you're going, you know, when, whenever a worship song comes on and you're the first one to raise your hand and stand and start praising Jesus. Or maybe even on Facebook you're the person that uh, it says, I love Jesus on your Facebook. But then the next thing you write about or the next status you post is something about how bad. It's, it's a post about... Uh, talking badly about somebody else. 
I don't know. Maybe it's you. I'm not. I don't have a single person in my mind, so don't think that I'm preaching it at. But, um, but I just and really think about it. So I know I'm giving you a lot of different scenarios, but really, you need to know who you are, and you need to know uh, who who you're who you're surrounded with. Who are you? You know, who are you friends with? Uh, who do you want to be? I see the situation with Jesus uh, and him clearing the temples in a, in a fairly similar fashion. Um, he comes to Jerusalem to celebrate and to worship his father, just like all the other Israelites, all the other uh, all the other Jews. And upon arrival, he sees religious leaders, leaders, okay, allowing God to be dishonored by taking advantage of people that came to worship him. So I'm going to be honest with you for a minute. I'm going to share a little bit about my high school experience as long ago as that was. I know I probably looked 20, but I'm 25. Um, but I really, in all honesty, when I think back about my high school days, I have one regret. One regret. And most times, you know, people think about having lots of regrets. And yeah, there's lots of things that I did that were stupid. But really only one thing that I absolutely regret. And I, so just again to give you a little backstory, I went to a small public school, uh, about 350 kids in my whole high school. Uh, and that's a public school, not a private school, that is a public school. So shows you how small my little town was, but everybody knew everyone. So in the high school, you could pretty much guarantee that I could go through and I could tell you every single person's name. And just about everybody else did too, because we all went to kindergarten through 12th grade together. So that again gives you a little bit of the backstory. But I wasn't the most popular kid, but I was, and I wasn't, um, but I didn't have really any enemies. I was actually pretty respected uh, around school because I didn't really ruffle people's feathers. I didn't really make people mad. Never really said much to anybody. So people didn't disrespect me, nor did they, you know, they just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, Kristen, uh, I like her family. She's got a good family. Everybody knows everybody's family. So, you know. Um, but a lot of times people knew what I stood for. Even if they didn't know me really well, they knew what I stood for. And I don't really, in all honesty, I don't know how people knew, but people knew I went to church. And hopefully it was all God, because I, I mean, it had to be all God, because there was no way that anything I did was truly showing him. Because this is where my regret comes in. The regret is I saw people getting picked on. I saw people picking on others, uh, people that were from my church, picking on other people, and I even picked on some people. And really, like, I mean, I was a good kid. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, you know, all that. And maybe that's why people thought I was a good kid and they respected me because I was like, yeah, I'm not going to drink. But it was more so I was afraid of hell. It wasn't so much that I loved Jesus, it was because I was afraid of hell. And so I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, all that stuff. And maybe people respected me because of that. I don't really know. But outside of my chosen lifestyle... What did I do that really showed people Jesus? I didn't really do much. I didn't really, uh, I didn't carry my Bible to class or anything like that. I didn't, um, I didn't really talk about Jesus. So what did I do that really showed that I love Jesus and, and that I thought of other people as children of God? Because I really, it was absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I did nothing. Um, did I stand up for people? Did I stand up for what was right? Not really. I, I wish I could say yes, but I didn't. Uh, when the tough got going, so did I. 
I mean, as soon as somebody was getting picked on, it was like, okay, not making eye contact, just kind of walk, you know, and every once in a while kind of maybe even giggle along with what somebody was saying, but a lot of times it was just like, okay, I'm comfortable, and I just walk away. Um, so that's me. So I'm telling you that what I'm preaching to you today is not who I was in high school, and it's my one regret. Looking back, I wish I would have been somebody that would have stood up for other people. Because you know how many doors that would have opened for the gospel? Like, people could have been like, why are you standing up for me? Oh, because I love Jesus. Like, hello. I mean, yes, it's kind of the uh, Sunday school answer, if you will. But for the most part, like, how many doors would that have opened? How many friendships could that have opened in, in inviting people to and inviting people to Christ, inviting people to church? Like, it would have opened so many doors just if I would have stuck up for people and not been one of those people that made comments. Because um, I'll be honest, I can be kind of mouthy once in a while, and that's not a good thing. Um, so, and especially in high school, before God really got a hold of me. Um, and so, if that's the one thing that I regret. The one thing that I look back and I go, man, if I could have, if I would have just stuck up for people, if I just would have encouraged people and said nice things to people, how many doors could that have opened to winning souls for Christ? So, um, but yeah, and this doesn't even touch the awful things that I said on the teaching. So, just know that what I'm what I'm saying to you is saying looking back. If I could do one thing different, this is what I would do. So, what did Jesus do when he saw the people that were supposed to be religious leaders? Leaders being the key word. I see many leaders here in this room. Many frontline kids. Many people that should be in frontline that aren't. But I see you as leaders. Because you are here on Wednesday nights, I see you as a leader for Friday nights. I really do. Regardless if you're in frontline or not, you are a leader. So, what did Jesus do when he saw the leaders not stepping up for what he knew that they knew was right? They knew what was right. These people had memorized, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. Like, memorized, word for word. Like, that's what they did their entire childhood. And he saw them not standing up for what they believed in. And what they, well, what they knew was right. Not necessarily what they believed in, but what they knew was right. So, what did he do? He called them out. He called them out and he told them, I know what place, let's see, what did he say? Get out of here. It wasn't Satan, but it was pretty darn close. Uh, he said, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Like, he just, and I'm sure with the fire in his eyes, I would not have wanted to go against him. But when I look at this passage and what Jesus did, I can only think of one word this entire thing. One word that signifies this whole story and it's boldness. Like, boldness is what Jesus had. And so Jesus was the perfect example of boldness. Over the past couple weeks, if you've come to either Sunday morning or uh, Sunday morning service or Wednesday night services, I'm sure you have heard this verse. And this is kind of my life verse. Um, and it's, it says, that Jesus, and Jesus said to his disciples, if any one of you would come after me, you must deny yourself Take up my cross, take up your cross, and follow me. What does that mean exactly? Especially in this context. What does it mean? What does it mean to deny ourselves? And so when we look at this, um, when I didn't stand up or call out people, I was afraid of what they would think of me. 
I was afraid of what, you know, maybe they'll start making fun of me. What if this kid starts to cling to me and I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want to be their friend. I just want to, you know, not, it makes you feel uncomfortable when you see somebody getting picked on. I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. It wasn't because I really care about them, it's because I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. But, and, but standing up for people, that was even harder. That was even more uncomfortable. So that's what I didn't want to do. But it made the whole situation about me. Like, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And so in, in, in not standing up, I completely ignored the love your neighbor as yourself. When it's all about me, you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. And so remember that as, you're, you know, as, you, as you kind of think about some of this. But how many situations... Um, So, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and in in the context of making it, it it does make you uncomfortable to stand up for what you believe in, to stand up in boldness. It it is uncomfortable. It's not. It's not easy. Um, It's not easy saying what what you know is right. And so, in that, within the walls of the church, I mean, are are you acting in school as you would in church? Probably not. I don't see any head shaking or moving, so I'm just, yeah. But, I'm going to ask you again. Are you acting in school the same way you would act in church? I hope so. I'll put it that way. I hope so. But, uh, I know that within the walls of the church, it's very easy to say, I love Jesus, and I want to serve Him. I know it's so easy to say, because you're, you are surrounded by a bunch of people that are thinking, for the most part, like you. But when you exit the church, is that how you're living? Are you living saying, I love Jesus and I want to live my life for Him? And I know that it's not as easy to do that. And I I remember what it was like being in high school. I remember it. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it feels like it, but it really wasn't. Um, but when Jesus stood up to the religious leaders, He had so much more to lose than you and I. Those religious leaders, they could have easily said, let's kill them. I mean, just for standing up against them and throwing off their whole their whole uh, uh, way to make a bunch of money, he completely threw them off, and and uh, they could have very easily just said, let's kill them. Does that happen to you in high school? I'm going to say that I doubt it. Just going to throw that out there. I doubt that somebody's going to threaten to kill you because you stood up for somebody. Well, because you said what is right. Now, high school has changed since I was in high school, but I'm still going to say that 99.9% of the time, that that's probably true. That, that you're not going to, your life is not going to get threatened for standing up for something. Now, if I'm wrong, you can come up afterwards and tell me that I'm wrong, and I will probably not believe you, but I will hopefully believe you if you're convincing enough. But, that's beside the point. So, um, but what does it mean to deny ourselves? Really, like, what does it mean to deny ourselves? And I believe it means that despite the effect that it has on us, we surrender our own will and we submit to the will of God, which in this context is us standing up for what's right, not to our own benefit, but to the benefit of Christ and for the benefit of the gospel. <clears throat> standing up for your peers and standing up for what is right is just one of many, many, many situations uh, where where this is relevant. I mean, there's... 
you can take this in lots of different ways, standing up for what you believe in and um, not doing what is right. I mean, there's so many contexts where denying yourself. Um, doing, you know, we can talk about God's will, we can talk about all different kinds of scenarios, but really, I mean, staying up for what is right. And Jesus didn't die for wishy-washy Christians. He doesn't want, he does not want you to be one of those people that, like me, who kind of, oh, don't make eye contact and walk away. He doesn't want that, because that's wishy-washy. You don't want to be a wishy-washy Christian. You don't want to ride the fence, because you know where people that ride the fence go. And uh, so, yeah. But one of the, uh, if you want to follow along in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 29. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Jesus is talking about bearing fruit. And one of the ways that you can kind of tell if you're a wishy-washy Christian or not, if you are a person that stands up for what is right, you want to read this passage, um, I will read it, and um, I would suggest reading it at home and, and uh, really thinking about it. But it says, Beware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can produce good fruit. Can't, sorry. I'm going to read that again. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So, every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can also identify people by their actions. Not everyone calls out to me, who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collect because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus was finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious so are you willing to be bold? Are you willing to be able to, to be a person that will stand up for what you believe in? Will you be unlike me and not have those regrets of, man, I wish I would have stood up for this person. There's a guy named Tad that I graduated with. Man, today I wish I would have stood up for him. He got picked on all the time. And I, and I never once stood up for him. And I remember even a situation in eighth grade like that I said something to him that I shouldn't have uh, in, in joining in with the crowds in that. And I don't want you to live with those regrets of, man, I wish I would have stood up for this person. Man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I don't want you to live in that. Um, and so what I want to know is, are you willing 
to be the unshakable rock described uh, that stands firm and is doing good and is bearing good fruit. You know, it says in here that by your actions, you can tell if a, if a person is bearing good fruit. You want to be a person that is helping other people grow, that are helping other people uh, further their lives in Christ and people that are bringing people to know Christ. And are you willing to stand up for people that were made in God's image? That is one thing that I had to learn was every single person here, every single person on this earth was made in God's image. He knew them from the womb. And I, and I, I thought about this a lot as Matt has been gone this week, and I've been working in the office by myself, and just the reminder of the baby that was formed in Julie's womb, just as God knew little Jackson, he knows each and every one of us. He knew Jackson before he was born. He knew him before he was even conceived. He knew little Jackson. And so just as God knew Jackson and knows Jackson in, in the smallest form, he knows who he's going to be. He knows his personality. He knows what... Um, what his likes and dislikes are going to be. Like, just as God knows all of that, he knows each and every one of you. And we were all created in God's image. Um, and I, I, believe that, I believe that you are. I believe that you are bold enough. I believe that you will stand up. I believe that you are capable of that. Um, and so as the guys come up to, to prepare for worship, um, I believe, I just, I believe every single one of you will hear in the end, well done, good and faithful servant, because you are one that is bearing good fruit, and one that will get angry when it needs, when you need to get angry. Sometimes that's what it needs. Sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes you need that fire that's lit under you. Um, one of those things that lights the fire under me is human trafficking, like in other countries, and girls that are sold uh, into slavery. Like That lights a fire under me. But it's a good kind of anger. I mean, there's a difference. There's a difference between good anger and bad anger. And I believe you know the difference because I believe that you know what Jesus would get angry over and what is just something petty that you're getting angry over. Um, but what I, I mean, I truly, truly believe that one day you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because you are a bearer of good fruit. So, um, love you guys, and I'll pray real quick before these guys start up. And, and uh, Thanks for being a good audience for my first time in Alabama, or speaking in Alabama. Father God, I just thank you so much, God. You are an amazing God, and we love you so much, and and, uh, we are so grateful for the gift that you have given us of salvation, God. And we just, uh, God, we pray for boldness in our lives, God. I pray that we will stand firm on your foundation, God, that we will stand firm in what we know is right and what you have led us uh, and, and taught us through your word, God. Uh, God, I pray that we won't, we won't step away in fear, God, that we, will, uh, that we will stand up, God, that we will stand firm. And, and Father God, we just we love you and we praise you, God. We worship you, God. Yeah.